if you feel it in your gut that this is something that you want to do, you will find a way to do it and make it successful. I think if it doesn't challenge you, it definitely won't change you. Hey guys, I'm Tara Wilson, and this is the Fierce Lab Podcast, a series where women explore what it means to be confident, capable, and strong. That's Fierce, and we're here for it. Today, Janelle Trung, District Director of Minilux, talks to me about her career in the beauty and wellness space. Her swift advancement can be linked back to her willingness to raise her hand for new opportunities. You can follow Janelle on Instagram at J-L-I-L-A. So my name is Janelle Trung, and I work for Minilux. Um, I am the district director for both our Dallas and our Los Angeles locations. Um, so I oversee nine studios currently. I love that. And Minilux is a nail studio, correct? Yes, we are um, a all-natural, vegan, non-toxic nail and waxing studio. I love that. I love that. And that is how we met. So I'm excited to share your story. Um, I know when we were initially visiting, I was really impressed by... Um, your career path, which is so exciting to me. So let's kind of start there, if you don't mind, Janelle. I'd love to um, back up to prior to your time at Minilux, you were in the restaurant industry. Is that correct? Yes. I had been in the restaurant industry for about 10 years. Um, Most recently, prior to coming on to Minilux, I was doing some consulting, but Um, Specifically, I worked for Nobu in Dallas for three years, um, managing their bar. I love that. And had had you grown up like waiting tables and working in the restaurant industry? Or how did you start and find yourself working at such a prestigious restaurant in Dallas? Yeah, so um, I actually did not grow up doing it. I mean, I guess I wouldn't say it so much like that. Um, I originally had went to school to study um, business administration, but, you know, um, myself personally, I didn't really enjoy going to school. So I ended up just getting my associate's degree and kind of trying to figure out what was interesting to me. So I did do a little bit of everything, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um my first job was actually scooping ice cream at Baskin Robbins in Preston Center. Um, I guess that was my initial restaurant experience. But from then on, I did do some banking. I did do some retail management, a little bit of everything um, before I actually moved into my first year of, um, you know, being in the restaurant industry and just deciding that, you know, I wanted to make my own life and make my own money and not have to, you know, ask my parents. Mm -hmm. And so I started off at a friend's restaurant who decided to show me how to bartend. And that's kind of where that started. Mm -hmm. Um, so for you, what was it like making the transition from the restaurant world to, um, 
corporate America, working for Minilux, which by the way, Minilux is more of a startup than what we maybe would describe as corporate America, but it certainly, you left the restaurant industry, but stayed within the service industry. So talk to me about what garnered that change for you. Yeah. So I... I could, I guess I could say that I had a quarter life crisis <laughs> when I turned 25. I had been in the restaurant industry at that point for about nine to 10 years. And, you know, the lifestyle really, really digs on you. And, um, you know, I found out I just, it was just something that I couldn't do much longer. I wanted to, you know, build something, grow, um, and nourish myself and knowing that I could do something different. Um, I had been in beauty for a very short period of time where um, I, you know, helped open the dry bar over here at Helen Park. Um, and, you know, I love the idea of, you know, feeling beautiful and taking care of yourself and just feeling good in general. Um, I mean, I never knew anything about that growing up. My parents or my mom was never really into that. She told me to never shave my eyebrows. <laughs> but um, going into that and for the short period that I was there, I just learned that beauty felt great. And I wanted to learn more about it. And, you know, when I found Minilux, I, it was intriguing because it was so new. And the concept really interested me because you never seen that you know, especially in the nail industry that where somebody cared about toxins and being vegan and being all natural, it just wasn't, it just wasn't something that you knew about. And so I applied because there was a position, um, at the desk, um, sort of kind of like a lead, um, desk associate. And, um, I applied and, I guess they really liked me. And so I tried it out. I mean, I kind of took a step back from where, where I was managing the bar and just kind of, you know, decided, okay, it might be worth it to take a financial, you know, step back and let's just see where it goes. And I, and that's kind of where that started for, for I me. I love that. Just, it was interesting. I'd like yeah. to go back to something you said previously, talking about your quarter life crisis. You were 25 and it sounds <laughs> like you took stock, decided to, to evaluate what was going on in your life. Um, I hear this from women frequently, that that's a, a pivotal point in their lives. So what did you learn about yourself during that period where you were introspective um, of where you were in your career? So I feel like what really aside from just my career and trying to decide what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, or even just for the next five or 10 years, I also was in a really long 10 year relationship. And that was also a turning point because I found that I um, wasn't happy. And I spent the last 10 years with this guy. And, you know, that kind of helped me decide it, it, there's there needs to be a change because I was no longer growing. I was I don't know anything else outside of what I've known for the last ten years. So I wanted to take myself out of that situation and you know really challenge myself and saying I could do something different and I could 
be by myself and learn to be by myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, lost some relationships along the way, but I think that's normal as we can, all can probably agree to. And, you know, I'm, I feel so much better for it. I have learned a lot and learned to make more, you know, positive opportunities for myself. I love that. Um, I think sometimes when we're young and we think, oh, we're 25, there's this expectation that at this stage in our life, we're supposed to have things figured out. Like, where are you headed in your career? Where's your relationship going? I should start to have my money managed better. And the dirty little secret, I'm curious if you would agree with my assessment, is the dirty little Mm -hmm. secret is that no one actually has it figured out at that stage. No one's talking about it either, right? I my girlfriends weren't mm-hmm. discussing what was happening in their lives at twenty five and this tumultuous feeling mm-hmm. they had. Did you find that to be the case? Were y'all talking about it? You know, I I think that was kind of like the starting point of like the social media blowout, and so part of myself and I learned this, uh, you know, pretty early on. I hope to say is. A lot of people like to put up this front to say that they're doing so great. And I think that's also why I decided to, you know, make a change as well, but not necessarily, you know, copying and pasting what anyone else is doing. But, you know, I feel I feel like there was a lot of fronting of like, you know, how great things are in everyone's life. But I, you know, come to learn everybody's going through the same thing as much as they put it out there or not. What would you tell a 25-year-old that might come to you and say that I'm going through a quarter-life crisis? What advice would you give to her? If it were me, myself, at 25 and me telling my 25-year-old now, I would say, you know, life experiences are worth way more than, you know, the material things, you know, and we we all used to look up to people with like, extravagant things, but I think that I would mostly like to have understood we should admire those with just inner peace mm-hmm. and being okay with what we have right now and just ha- how to keep going. Well, and you mentioned that at that stage in your life, you were looking to nourish yourself. And, and it sounds like that the beauty industry... Um, provided that opportunity for you, not just in a work environment, but exposed you to opportunities where you could find that inner peace for yourself. Tell me about, so you started at Mini Lux at the front desk and you have worked your way into a district manager position over both Dallas and LA. So let's talk a little bit about that because that wasn't a straight line and a straight trajectory to that position. You really worked your way up. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Um, one can only wish that it was a straight line, right? <laughs> um, so we opened one studio at the West Village location um, back in 2015. That's when I started with them prior to actually opening date. West and Village in Dallas, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. I started there. I worked um, at that location for about seven to eight months. 
And, you know, we knew that we were going to open new studios here over the next, you know, six months, at least multiple two to three. Um, so my manager at the time, her name is Vanessa. She is actually still with us. She's the studio director there now, which is funny enough. Um, she had helped me develop myself into, you know, that studio director role. Um, so I guess you could say for about two months, um, I was what they called MIT, a manager in training. And I went and opened up the uh, Shops Legacy Studio in Plano, Texas. I'm still in that MIT role. But then, you know, after a couple months, I was then promoted to the studio director position. So I, you know, was able to open up a brand new studio, didn't know what I was doing, had to it recruit the team there. And that was fairly new for me. Um, and overseeing at least, you know, 10 or 15 employees. That was, that was a challenge to, to really understand like the industry and people in general and personalities. It was, it was quite a struggle for a bit well, for a and while. That's, a, that's um, a big responsibility to have a, a team of 15 people to open a brand new studio was yeah. <laughs> Vanessa guiding you and coaching you at that time, or were you finding you were seeking out advice and guidance from outside the organization? Yes, yeah, she was there probably 99% of the time. Um, we, we actually opened that studio two days before New Year's and, um, so it was a lot, it was very crazy. Uh, she and I worked together to partner in, you know, knowing what kind of personalities to look out for and how, how did she open up West Village similarly to Legacy? How, how do we recruit enough people to open on time um, supplies, getting the studio itself yeah. set up? She was very helpful in that. I, I did have um, a few headquarters teams that did come down for about a week or so to help out as well. Um, but we ended up having to flip that studio overnight because all of our supplies did not come on time. Um, she has been a support system even to this day um, for me because she learned, she taught me how to sit back and ask questions rather than being reactive. And uh, I owe my, myself to her um, since day one. I like that. You yeah. felt like you got a lot of coaching and mentorship, it sounds like, which I think is so important yes. in a career that there is someone that's championing us as we grow and develop. So you felt like you were getting that internally. So even though headquarters, you know, they're based out of Boston, so it's a little bit tougher when they're not here all the time. So we kind of lean on each other a lot. I love that. That's great. So at this time, you're, you're the studio director of the Plano location that had opened up. But it sounds like there was some whispering of opening LA locations, and it sounded like you had an interest in that opportunity. Is that a fair characterization? Yes. Absolutely. So um, at this point, it was probably the beginning of the year of 2016, and I had been the studio director for Legacy up until about. August of that same year, we were opening um, three different studios in three different regions in October. Um, I had been asked to help open the Helen Park studio at that point as a studio director. And 
Um, at the same time, we had our Brentwood in California location opening the same day. There, again, like you said, was some whispers about, you know, an opportunity to possibly move out there and, and take on the studio director position to one of the newest locations because there's at this point no brand awareness in California. It's their newest store. They thought that I would be a great fit for that location and clientele, of course. So, you know, there was talks for a few months, but there was a different opportunity after a few months at Highland Park. And I actually ended up staying here in Dallas. And there was a district role that was available about five or six months later after that. And, um, you know, I I ended up taking it and staying here in Dallas. So I kind of left L.A. where it was. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I want to say last fall when, you know, our new CEO was brought on and she offered me to do a little bit of a stretch assignment, Mm -hmm. so to speak, um, and oversee the L.A. market. But in between all of that, I was able to travel to LA to open, you know, their second and third studio as well. So that was nice. So I got a, a little bit of both worlds. <laughs> worlds. So now what do you think went into making that decision to stay in Dallas? Was it a, a gut instinct? Did you seek out advice and guidance from others? I mean, obviously that's paid off for you. But how, how do you make big decisions like that when, when they're put before you? You know, I did reach out to family members and my colleagues as well, and um, it was very 50-50. I think that the ultimate reason why it ended up staying was because the opportunity of being a district manager was the bigger opportunity. Um, And then technically, I wouldn't have to have moved. (laughs) So knowing that the opportunity for district was now rather than being in LA as a studio director. And then, you know, obviously we didn't need a district director there in LA quite yet, even to this day. Um, I think that it worked out well, not only for the Dallas team, because they didn't have anybody in that role. Um, before I, I just know from my own experience coming into the studio director role in Dallas and not having that main support, person who was above me, I knew I needed to be here for the street directors that were here because we had work to do still. I mean, LA had work work to do, but they needed me here more, I felt like. And I think it was just the ultimate better choice. And then of course it worked out now that I got to help out with LA too. And now you travel to LA a couple of times a month, um, oversee Mm -hmm. that district as well. Did do you consider the decision to stay in Dallas versus take that opportunity in LA? Did you consider that a risky decision or were you comfortable with the choice that you made and found this inner peace in that decision in the moment? I definitely found inner peace in that decision because and going into it, obviously, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know when that next opportunity is going to present itself. But I think that because I've shown to develop myself to be open and flexible with the idea of multiple opportunities, I think it came around to be more than what I thought it would have been. And so I've come to feel like this was the right step. And 
it turned out great. And it's still turning out great, I think. <laughs> Obviously, yes, we've done, we've done very well. Let's shift gears for a minute and go back and talk about the advice that you gave to yourself as a 25-year-old mm-hmm. was really insightful. What's the best career or life advice that you've been given by someone older than you? Yeah, um, I think the most important one that will be stuck with me forever is, you know, we we always have the freedom to choose how we respond to people, events, and circumstances. And, and the way that we do that is to, to make a positive opportunity out of any negative situation that might be brought on. So something that I really have been stuck with and have always practiced is to remember where I am, what's going on in this situation, whether it's big or small, and how do I make this an opportunity to become mm. positive? It does make and sense. So you find that before you react, you pause and ask yourself to think through the scenario and, and how you can make it a positive experience. Great Absolute advice. So talking about nourishing yourself, and the fact that you are in the beauty industry, what are some of your favorite ways uh, to have self-care? Oh, man, this is uh, tough for me to answer because even though I praise self-care to all people around me, I probably don't practice this as much as I should. But I would say having at least one lazy day, whether it's per week or per two weeks or a couple times out of the month, um, it, it definitely helps me disconnect and refresh. Um, so I do have like that one day every now and then that I literally just sit on the couch <laughs> and watch Netflix and just and don't recharge. answer anybody. <laughs> yes, exactly. Who do you find that you show the most compassion to in your life and why? I would say that I show most compassion to all the women who are facing adversity um, because even if we feel like we're working our hardest every single day, and sometimes I still question every single day, it may not feel like it's going anywhere. But dealing with adversity can become a very positive and, again, like you said, nourishing experience that can lead to growth and development. And for someone who wasn't really looking for that from the beginning, it's definitely something that I look for now. And when you say it's something that you look for, are you saying you look out for the adversity in your life and evaluate how you can grow from it? Or, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me more about that. I think that I would relate to some people or some women in on the same level as far as facing adversity because you know you grow up in a in a way that no one really is able to teach you to learn about how to deal with situations where you may not be given opportunities and i think what really made it different for me was being able to try it out and, you know, be okay with taking no as an answer or being okay with, um, for lack of a better word, being turned rejection. down being or, okay yes, rejection, exactly. 
and being okay with that. And how do you learn differently from that for the next time around? And I think that for most, that that's a fear that, you know, lays every single day. But I think that if you don't ever try, you'll never know. Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. What is your advice for a young woman that's interested in maybe transitioning out of a, a role that she's in now and getting into a field that seemingly is is unrelated? Yes, you stayed in the service industry, but you went from the restaurant industry to beauty. So what is your advice for a young woman that would be considering making such a jump? I think my advice would be that if you feel it in your gut that this is something that you want to do, you will find a way to do it and make it successful. I think if it doesn't challenge you, it definitely won't change you. If that's what you're looking for, you have to, you got to do it. Is that a motto for you? If it doesn't challenge you, then it won't change you? Yep. Yep. It is actually. I try to remember that and repeat it to myself and to my colleagues. Do you have any other mottos that you just kind of live by? Yeah, I um, am a big motto person. So it's funny that you asked. Another one would be, you know, to succeed, jump at opportunities as quickly as you would jump at conclusions. Mm, I've not heard (laughs) that one before. That's nice. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that has been my favorite. That is one definitely, I would even call it a life advice that I have learned from someone else as well. Do you have a mentor at this stage in your career? I would say I don't have one. I have multiples. Um, I think that I learn from a lot of, you know, the colleagues around me. I, I, I actually like to say that I don't really manage anyone. I am a partner with a lot of people. And I think that, you know, I learn a lot from my studio directors here. I learned a lot from even the employees here and nail designers. And so I, I, I wouldn't say I had one. I, I would say I learned a lot from everyone. That's, that's great. So this is the Fierce Lab podcast. And as such, I always like to ask, what does the word fierce mean to you? It can mean something different to each person. And I'm curious what that word means for you. I think fierce means confidence, even if you don't feel like you have it. I think that if you even just, I mean, I will say sometimes I fake it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it helps me get through whatever situation I'm dealing with. And, you know, I feel better after the fact. So I think Fierce would have to mean confidence for me. I love it. I love it. Well, Janelle, it's been great talking to you. I appreciate you joining us for the podcast and sharing your experience of developing your career, going through your quarter life crisis and how that has impacted the decisions that you've made um, and where you've taken yourself. I love that you talked about nourishing yourself and taking risks and finding your voice and finding your confidence. So thanks for being with me today on the podcast and and joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening today. 
If you liked this episode, do me a favor and subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. With your help, we'll grow the Fierce Lab community. And I would love to stay in touch. You can find me on Instagram at Tara M. Wilson. 